But now let's bring in our next guest. That's going to be Luke Groman, founder and president at FFTT LLC. Welcome back to the show, Luke. Thanks for having me back on, Tom. All right. So, uh, you know, we were talking about the equity markets earlier. I just wanted to get your quick take on the overall moves that we've seen, the rebound, the strength, S&P 500, NASDAQ 100 at 14-month highs here. Is this warranted at this point, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the $64,000 question. It's, uh, it, it's, I think yes and no. I, I think it's been very interesting to see. I think we're getting into this sort of unique period in time where uh, there's some fundamental drivers for some of the NASDAQ with some excitement around the AI. Uh, we'll see how quickly that comes to fruition, but there's there's clearly a story there uh, in terms of in terms of demand. Um, and then I think broader, there's I think uh, you know there's some incremental liquidity when you see the Fed. Uh, raising rates, we're getting to a point where uh, interest disbursements into the U.S. economy are pretty substantial. When you talk about uh, $31 trillion in debt, just to oversimplify, and you're talking about a 5% interest rate on that $31 trillion in debt pro forma, uh, then you're talking about $1.5 trillion of interest. Again, pro forma, that's 8% of GDP. Now, what's the difference between a trillion and a half in stimulus or a trillion and a half in interest? Well, there's really no difference. It's just the stimmies had a much higher marginal propensity to consume and were, were stimulative and bullish for the economy. The, 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 the interest stimmy, as we've referred to them, that the Fed's creating uh, by raising rates paradoxically, uh, it goes generally to a higher um, higher end consumer. But ultimately still as it makes its way into the U.S. economy via deficit. So you've got uh, a government that is running levels of deficits of uh, six, seven percent uh, of GDP with unemployment at 3.4 percent. And historically, that's just absolutely unprecedented and very stimulative. So eventually it's going to cause a problem, I suspect. But that's why you're, we're sort of in this this weird time where there's there's some rules and the rules of thumb um, that are being broken. Right, uh, from historics especially. And uh, Luke, to that point, even if the Fed does pause tomorrow at the meeting, uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily uh, a, basically a pullback or a pivot in any way, right? And so that, um, that effect or tightening that the Fed has been doing is still going to be there. We've seen it in consumer credit. It's starting to rise to record levels, uh, nearly a trillion dollar in consumer debit, uh, debt at this point. And you've got interest rates at levels we haven't seen for decades here. So is that uh, the outlier for, for equity markets that maybe uh, they're not looking uh, at maybe the data well enough uh, or expectations well enough where they keep on thinking that the Fed's going to be there to have that put in place. I think there's a there was a really good article yesterday in the journal by uh, I think it was Nick Timmerous. He certainly yeah. tweeted it out talking about how Powell is kind of stuck because inflation is too high for him to cut, um, and uh, um, the uh, but but rates are 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 too high. Uh, to not cause increasing banking strains, et cetera. So they're they are they're 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 cornered is is what they were saying in a polite way. And so 
there there is a side of this that Wall Street is not paying much attention to because they've never had to pay attention to it for the United States. They've had to pay attention to it for any number of emerging markets, but never for the United States, which is the fiscal side, because our debt and deficits are so high coming out of COVID. And so the point here is, is in the short run, those things I ran through, increasing interest, et cetera, they're paradoxically injecting bigger federal deficits into an economy with very low unemployment. Uh, and so it's stimulative, but ultimately, uh, it's it's likely to create a situation where uh, there's fiscal fiscal problems, uh, debt problems in the U.S. and and we can start to see the flow through of what the Fed's doing in tax receipts. Um, in the U.S., they the Treasury came out yesterday; they're down 20 percent year over year. So we are in a full on. Um, uh, and they're down 20 percent on a trailing three month basis. The last times, the only other times we saw that were in uh, 08, 09, uh, and after 9/11. So we are seeing a recession in tax receipts. Um, to be fair, you're coming down off of unprecedented highs. So uh, not all down 20% year over year equal. But if the Fed keeps this up, that down 20% is probably going to continue to rise. Your issuance is going to, Treasury issuance is going to continue to rise. It's going to continue to put stress on, um, you know, you, you'll see the private sector slow down with rate hikes, but the deficits increase. And so you're going to be in this weird period of time, I think, where uh, the amount of deficit money the, the federal government is injecting into the economy is rising, but the private sector's ability to address uh, and and it have, have real world supply uh, will be coming down because of the rate hikes. And so... Um, you risk a bit of a of an inflation, very persistent inflation, um, until something really breaks all at once. And I think what we saw in March with the banking system was the first tremor of everything's okay and, and with Fed hikes until something breaks. So, you know, let's watch and see. But there's there's two opposing forces there, um, and right now the liquidity uh, force is helping or is winning. But uh, like I said, the the private sector that you referred to is is feeling the pressure of those hikes. Yeah, and uh, Luca, at your firm, you guys try to look through the trees here to, uh, you know, figure out what maybe investors are missing at this point. Are there any catalysts out there that you guys are really closely watching besides maybe those deficits? I've been watching very closely what's happening with shale oil. Um, yeah. Here, too, paradoxically, um, the efforts of the Fed and of the U.S. to release the SPR to bring oil prices down are weighing significantly on U.S. shale production. So we're starting to see signs that shale production's peaking. Um, and the challenge in that is that while the Fed's actions and the SPR releases actions help bring down oil prices over the last 12 to 15 months, and by extension help bring down inflation over the last 12 to 15 months, uh, U.S. shale production has been 90%, 90% of global oil production growth over the last decade, and it's starting to roll over. So there was a, there was the, 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 the move to sell down the SPR and, and raise rates to fight inflation. There was always a gambit, basically, that uh, it was a finite amount of time until it started showing up in shale production. And once that happened, uh, the, the, the supply-demand dynamic for global oil would shift markedly in favor of reduce supplies falling faster than demand. And I think we're getting to that point, if not now, then very soon, at a time when sentiment and price on, on oil in particular is very negative. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, demand issues maybe uh, here in the U.S., definitely in China. Uh, that's probably put a little bit of cap in there, getting a little bit of a rebound here in crude oil today. Uh, but as far as equity markets go here, Luke, uh, you know, your expectations, and uh, Kevin and I talked about it in the last block where we've gotten these uh, expansive moves to the upside that risk on trades in full effect with the expectations that the Fed's going to, uh, you know, uh, pat everybody on the head and say everything's okay, right? <laughs> it, it, it seems that that is the sentiment. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's crazy, but I think you're heavily dependent on the CPI print in the next whatever it is, two, three, four minutes from now, uh, or 30 minutes, whenever it's coming out today. Um, which is a crazy way to run a, a third, you know, $26 trillion economy based on, you know, what's today's CPI print. But that's, I think, where we're at. If the CPI print's hot, uh, then I think those, you know, the odds of that pause would will get uh, ratcheted back uh, for whenever, for, for tomorrow. So uh, by the same token, if they do come in, um, then I think we do get that pause and that confirms and we probably see the, the rally continue. So it's it's very dependent on a single data point here that is, you know, uh, anyone, any, anyone, any one of those data points can be quite noisy. Yeah, uh, definitely. The optimism's out there, Luke, that's for sure, uh, for equity markets at this point. All right, thanks, Luke. Uh, appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. You do the same time. All right, that's Luke Groman, founder and president at FFTT LLC, joining us breaking down markets.